Ah, very good. So your intro can be the British burp and mine can be the British slurp, I thought. Yeah, that's good. We can't swap roles ever because, you know, I can't muster a burp. Yeah, sorry. Um, that was a real burp that I needed to get out. I that's wasn't all... just doing that to be annoying. So, Are there going to be any more? Should I... I would. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Well, um, there may be more slurps. So, brace yourself. Okay. That's that's all right then. We'll 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 prepare. Yeah. I was lying in bed the other evening. <coughs> um, in about to go to sleep, as mm. one does. As you do when you lie in bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's about half. It's about twelve o'clock. Yeah. Good night. Um, roughly. I was going, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. And I just climbed into bed, and I rolled onto my side, and I did a big old fart. Oh, gosh. It was did a loud... You... It's like a loud one as well. And then, first of all, I just let it hang there for a couple of seconds, and then I started giggling. <laughs> of course, because it's funny. Yeah. And then I, I remembered that that is probably my favourite thing to do just after getting into bed. Really? It's just to rip out a loud fart. See, look, my issue with the getting into bed and, and doing that is it gets trapped under the duvet. It, it sort of it can't get out, and then it's with you all night. Yeah, but that's only a problem if you sleep with your head under the duvet. No, but then you lift up, the, you move around a bit, and you get a you get a waft of it. When you sort of move the duvet a tiny bit, you just you know you get a reminder of what you've done and that you're a horrible person. Possibly, I don't know if that's quite if you're going to have quite the same effect if you if you sleep. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a difference if you sleep naked or not. In in that regard, I see. Well, oh, I always feel a bit strange farting naked. <laughs> you feel strange farting naked. Do you not? Do you not feel like oh, this there's something missing here? I don't spend a lot of my time <laughs> being naked. I'll be honest. It's usually when I'm in the shower yeah. and when I'm changing from my pyjamas to my clothes. <laughs> that's really the... It's about... For about 15 minutes every day, I'm naked and that's it. So have you ever farted naked then? Have I ever farted? I expect I probably have. I think I might have tried sleeping naked for a while and just didn't really get on with it. See, I think you'd know if you'd fart. I think it is. You'd definitely know if you farted naked. It's something that. Give it a try. Yeah, uh, I'll do it. I'll I'll do it this evening. It's so bizarre. It's the strangest thing ever because you you feel because there's no sort of shield there. You feel so dirty. Yeah. Sorry, um, there's a fire engine going past. There we go. He's gone a, now. Is there a fire or just just the just the engine? It's just a cast took up a tree. Oh, lovely. Um, but yes, so yeah, give that a try um, and send me a video as you usually do and let me know how it all goes. Yeah, I'll... I'll see. <laughs> Sorry, I don't really know how to respond to that. We're just going to move straight on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, we were talking slightly before we started recording and you have now moved into uni with some of your flatmates. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. What are they like? So, um, it started out on the sort of 7th when I moved in and no one was here. It was very dead. 
and then sort of in drips and drabs they started coming in and now we've got sort of six out of eight people here but we know of the other two we've seen them um, move their stuff in and fuck off so we know who they are um so just a quick rundown we've got um vanessa who is uh very very lovely um she's not very good at um drinking games or ring of fire we realized um she couldn't rhyme anything and the categories one was quite difficult for her and she wasn't even drinking so that was interesting um we've got frankie who's just next door and she's also very lovely and uh, we've met her cousin and and you know seems lovely um we also have Liv, and Liv um, has sort of been in and out quite a lot, um, almost as much as you've been in and out of your um, current boyfriend, Jay, um, you know, the underage one, almost as much as that. So she's been sort of, there's a lot of stuff to unpack with Liv. So she's um, she's uh, 18, she's, she's the youngest of us, and she has a boyfriend, but they broke up on the first night. Um, so we stayed up there all night. And then... Um, you know, as you do, you, they're, now back, they're now back together, but not boyfriend and girlfriend. So already, you know, stuff is going on. Um, and we've got Song, who's off opposite, and he's from South Korea, and he's 28 years old. And he has taken a fancy to Mila, our other flatmate, who is 19. And um, it's caused a bit of tension in the flat and a bit of awkwardness. However, um, yes, yeah, so yeah, that's that's the rundown. So there's already sort of romances sort of blossoming and there's already a bit of drama and there's already a bit of stuff going on. I think it's going to be a fun year. I really do. Well, now that is very, very interesting. We'll just um, clear up that the thing about the underage boyfriend <laughs> is not true. I'm not allowing that to just sit there. No, okay. I thought I'd let it sit there just in case you forgot and then we could move on and then people would actually think that you did have one. No, I, I do not have an underage boyfriend who I'm constantly in and out of. <laughs> it's funny when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Um, well, that is very interesting. I I like how you describe pretty much the first few people. is just go, yes, they're very lovely. Well, yes, they are. They are. I wasn't lying. They're, they're nice people. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you immediately have more of a connection with some than others and you get on with some more than others just natural rapport and animal instinct but not that last one animal instinct <laughs> what's wrong with you that's such a strange thing to say oh yeah i mean it probably does sort of hark back to the animal instinct days you know sort of animals would become f close with some other animals and stay away from other animals um right okay a very I think, just, point. I think we just want to move on from that <coughs> as quickly as possible, don't we? Yes, yes um, we do. Is it, is it a, a, a mix of... What's the mix of boys and girls? Is it 50-50? So it's just me and um, me and five girls. Oh, no, me and Song and five girls. So at the moment we've got, we've got two boys and five girls, but it's going to be three boys and... No, I've done maths. Uh, I did the maths wrong. At the moment we've got two boys and five girls but it's going to be three boys no i did it wrong again so <laughs> basically <laughs> the end result the end result will be um three boys and five girls so you know so pretty... currently you have two boys and four girls yes because there's six of you absolutely right okay 
How did you make that difficult? Well, it's, it is, you know, it's quite confusing when the sort of moving in and out all the time. And, you know, I've been here from the start, so I've, you know, kept been keeping a tally of them. So it's just been changing for me all the time. Been keeping a tally. <laughs> That's a, that definitely sounds like a you thing to do. A sort of floor plan and then sort of labelling that up with who's where. Oh, yeah. Are you, you're you all on one floor, is it? Or is it like a house set up? Um, no, we're all on the bottom floor of a block, which is problematic oh, right. with insects that fly in at night if we don't shut our windows. But apart from that, um, no complaints, really. Well, uh-huh. the tap doesn't work and... The freezer's frozen over and, you know, just classic, shitty, uni accommodation stuff that they never fix. Yeah. Well, you could report it. Trust me, we have. We have. We took it to head office. We marched down there. We said, look, this is unacceptable. This also sounds like a lie. No, 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 we did. We did. Well, I didn't do it. You marched down to head office. Head office being the Keen's reception, yeah, the, the reception. The... Okay, so someone walked down there and go, hi, excuse me, we live in such and such a flat and such and such a thing isn't working, can you come and fix it? Yes, that is what happened. So, like I said, we marched down um, and we proper put them in their place. We said, this is, you know, not okay, this needs to be fixed. Um, but we haven't seen them for about two days, so I think... As much as it looked like she was typing, you know when people pretend to type and you sort of think, oh, okay, they're not actually going to do anything about this. Very much one of those one of those moments. Well, they're probably typing a completely separate email. Yes, very possibly. Working on maybe a short story, just whilst I was sort of letting them know what my problems were. Yeah. Yeah. They're working on their, on their romance novel. Yeah. <laughs> like like um, the, the teacher in 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm. Yeah, precisely like that. Hello? Am I back? Okay. Yeah, my USB thing, if I move it slightly, it's quite dodgy. Ah. So I'm just going to not move it. Yeah, what was it? Um, I love that film so much. Yes. It's so, so good. Um, talking about your USB thing and sort of when you move it, it's dodgy. Um, a similar thing happens with my shower. Um, if I move in my shower, it floods the whole bathroom so i'm just gonna not move when i take a shower from now on you're just gonna not move yeah it's gonna be difficult because you need to sort of scrub your pits and your hair but if i move too much it just goes everywhere <coughs> do you not have it like a shower curtain this is what people keep asking me yes i have a shower curtain but it doesn't reach down to the floor so you know there is going to be a lot of water everywhere and it just turns into like a massive a little pool in my bathroom which means I can't wee in the shower if I wanted to because I'd just be wading through it. Do you um, normally wee in the shower? I have done a couple times. Um, at home, I probably did it maybe three times, but I don't make a habit of it, really. Mm. I never I never weed in the shower. No. I, because I have... At home, because obviously showers don't heat up immediately... When I when I've been at home, what I would normally do is I put the shower on, and then whilst it's heating up, I go and have a wee. Yeah, or a poo. Yeah, a poo's a bit too long. Ah. But if I'm gonna have a poo before I put the shower on, then the shower's gonna be running for like five minutes whilst mm. I have a shit. Yeah, and that's just that's just not pleasant. And also, I find it weird to come off the toilet after having a poo and not bring my trousers up. <laughs> 
I can't, oh, I no, can't yeah. just, I can't just stand up and go. Yep, I'm done now. It's that whole naked thing again, isn't it? Like just being naked on the just, toilet again. It's strange. It's, yeah, it is strange. Yes. Um, I was just about to say something, and it was going to lead to a really interesting conversation. Um, oh yeah, I remember back in the day. This was when I was maybe like five years old, and you know, computers were very slow, weren't they? Do you remember? Uh, yes. So we had one house computer, and we'd switch it on, we'd run ourselves a bath, we would have the bath, we would come down, and it'd be almost ready for us to use. That's what <laughs> I remember very vividly. It was brilliant. <laughs> really? Yes. Was it that bad. slow? Yes, it was that slow. It was, it was hilarious. That's like half an hour. Yes. Just to sort of load up, and then it'd make these really loud, sort of worrying, disconcerting noises. Like... <laughs> Or is it tries to sort of figure out if it's going to grace us with its turning on or not? Mm. It's a lot like it's a lot. No, can't be bothered with that one. <laughs> Just going to move on. Should we um? Should I, should one of us introduce the podcast? I mean, it's been it's been ten minutes. Yeah, I mean that would be a good time. Hello, anyone listening, and welcome to Connecting Vague Dots. <laughs> I forgot that that's an, actually an intro. Yes, that that I that I try and make a habit of do, that I have made a habit of doing. I was going to skip that straight away and get to my part. I'd actually forgotten yeah. to do that. Yeah. Well. Um. Well. Hello, anyone listening. Welcome to Connect Fade Docs with me, Jay Panels, and Seth Cox over hello. there on the side of the line. Yes. Um. We haven't got a guest this week, as you probably could tell, <laughs> given that it's just the two of us talking. Although, to be fair, they probably wouldn't have been able to tell because sort of quiet guests, I guess, are very good. They sort of give the first ten minutes to us and then they ship in, which is always quite nice. They so, Yeah. There, there's a, it depends on the guests, but some some of them are more tentative to to jump into the conversation. Yeah. But, you know, you get someone like Tom Kerry who was just <laughs> absolutely coming in on it. Yeah, he'll run with anything, Tom Kerry. Yeah, he absolutely will. Yeah. Which is very, um, very nice. Yes, it is lovely. All of uh, our guests are lovely. They have been, haven't they? We've had some Just really... in case any of them are listening. Yes, yes. We've had some... Re- well, all of them, yeah. All of them have been great for even coming on. I think, you know, that yeah. speaks enough credit. It's been fantastic so far. We've done we've done well out of this. We have. We've, we've made a few grand. You know, we... it's, it's been pretty good. Yeah, we've made a few friends. As actually, have have we made any? Well, we've sort of reunited with we've, a few. No, we friends. haven't. We've we've spoken to friends. Yes. That about we that we might possibly not have spoken to otherwise. Yes, about stuff that they find interesting as well. That's the point. So they can bring yeah. in their like Jamie Harper on the Beatles and Solly Wood on that film that I keep forgetting the name of that we should really watch at some point. Blind spotting. Blind spotting, yeah. So they come on and they speak about stuff that's interesting to them. So it's, it's nice, you know. We get to talk about our passions. It's lovely. Yeah, we 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 have we provide a service. It it is like that, isn't it? I mean, you provide a service on the side, but we won't right. get into that now. Right. I knew you were going to do that. Just no. Just stop. <laughs> I could see that coming from a mile away. It's fine. We all need an extra bit of cash, but some of us will do it in more discreet ways than others, and that's fine. That's cool. I'll just steal off old people. <laughs> How's that business going, by the way? Is that still going? That's still thriving. The what? The heroin? No, yeah, no, it's going, it's going good. No, the um, I was going to leave that out. I thought that was unprofessional. I was going to go down the stealing of old people 
Oh, they're uh, stealing off old people. Yeah, well, there's a re- there's a really old couple next door, mm. and I just knock on the door and ask for like a cup of sugar. Yeah. And then while she potters inside, I just walk in. I just walk in behind her, go up the stairs, steal like a diamond necklace, and then just walk out again. Lovely. Or try this one. Pretend that you're their grandson. Maybe if I if I like buy a if I buy a wig. Yes. And a pair of glasses. She'll probably think I'm someone just completely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's an old bat anyway, so just just I'm now entering <laughs> entering the point like, is this is any of this okay? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, to, it's to say it's just nah, nah. It's I'm fine. good. I'm moving on. Well, I'm still good. I've still got my side business of um, you know, stealing other people's dogs, holding them hostage for about a week, and then. Giving them back to the people for money. I mean, that's still going really well. That's a really good idea. Yeah, it's, it's what, a you should you should run that as a flat. You should have like <laughs> one or two people um, volunteer as dog walkers. Mm. They do they do the dog walk, and you split the cash, and then you just hold the dog hostage, and then you get the reward for taking the dog back. This is it. This is it. That's um, a genius scheme. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. And you just make sure the dog's looked after in the meantime as well. Oh, yeah, but it's a win-win. We get to play with some really cute dogs, hopefully. Yeah. Get some dogs on the flat. So... See, now that just sounds like a really, you know, like an only fools and horses <laughs> yeah. get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. That, yeah. That you would only just <laughs> about put past them. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Um... Right, shall I do my bit quickly, and then shall we actually get on with it? I mean, yeah, sure. I was just going to say as well on the only fools and horses thing. The absolute, mm. the thing you would have to do with that then is they'd actually just have to lose the dog. Yeah, that, that, that's that's the natural sort of arc for yeah. that get rich quick. You'd have like the first ten, fifteen minutes where it's working perfectly, then they do it again and they lose the dog. Yeah, or the dog dies and they return it dead or something like that. That would <laughs> no, that's too dark. Is it for like an only horse and horses thing? That's way too dark. Possibly. That's so what... you you would just have to have them lose the dog completely. Yeah, and then eventually they find it and it's like near near a wharf or a nor or a pond. Yeah, <laughs> and the and the dogs decided to chase the ducks and go swimming, and they and Delboy has to run in after it and get and he gets soaked. Probably not Delboy, probably more Rodney. Yeah, Delboy would tell absolutely one. soaked. And then he he comes out and he tries to light a fag and it's and it's completely waterlogged. Oh my god. Just brainstormed an entire sitcom episode. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that would work as an episode. I think it would. It wouldn't feel out of place in any of the seasons, it'd work brilliantly. Do you like going with fools on horses? Is that one of your I I do like it. Um, Mark, my stepdad, uh, watched a lot of it when it was on, and he really liked it. And so, and one of his mates is uh, has a quite an encyclopedic knowledge of it. Mm. Um, so it's something that I knew I knew quite a lot of when I sort of was younger. But I haven't watched it for ages. But I, you know, you sort of know, you just know the format, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is an iconic sitcom. I think I've only seen those famous episodes, like the Chandelier one and the Batman and Robin one. And oh yeah, the... and there's the there's the yuppie one where he leans on the bar. 
Yeah, yeah. And the uh-huh. painting one where they paint um, uh, someone's grave in a sort of a neon light and it looks like a beacon. Yes. Stuff like that. And there's, there's another one where he... I can't remember why he has it, but he has um, like a blow-up sex doll for some reason. And then he puts them in the back of a, a van. No, I think uh, I feel no, he, uh, he, he, I think he fills them with the wrong, with the <coughs> wrong type of gas, and so they just blow up. Yeah, yeah, you got some good ones. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, yes. would you like to explain the concept to anyone who doesn't know? Of course. So, hello, anyone who doesn't know. Um, what we do here is we pick a film, a book, and a piece of music all with an underlying theme or link, and the other person in the call, or people, but this person in this case, has to guess what that link is. And the sooner they get the link, the more points they get. And me and Jay have a bit of a game, well, not a game, just a sort of extra point system where if we visit any of the other one's suggestions or recommendations from the week before, we get rewarded for it with points. So, Jay, have you... It seems like a long time ago, probably because so much has happened this week, but have you revisited... Or visited any of um, my suggestions? Well, we had um, Jamie Harper on last week as well. Mm. So, of course, his suggestions also count. Yeah. Um, we'll rattle through Jamie's very quickly, I think. Um, yeah, that's fine. So, uh, catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. Uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks film. Yeah. It is Spielberg directed, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. 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 It's a very really, good. really good film. Um, yeah, really solid. Which I didn't watch this week. Um, I was tempted to, and then I couldn't remember where to find it, and then I couldn't, and then I just forgot that I wanted to go and watch it. Um, and I, and I, he also suggested Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, mm-hmm. which I very much meant to go away and revisit, and absolutely didn't. Oh, another siren! Blimey, I hope someone's going on now. Oh, that's not your, um, your money resource, um, going down the drain there. <laughs> Okay, I had the old lady. Old, old Ethel's had a heart attack. Yes, yeah. Um, no. Anyway, and <coughs> last thing that Jamie suggested was a book that I can't remember the title of because it's a date. Yeah. It was eleven seven sixty sixty three or something. It's the date of Kennedy's assassination. It's a, a, a yeah. absolutely huge Stephen King book. Yeah. Um, which I haven't watched. No, red, unfortunately. So nothing from Jamie's. No, I'm the same actually. I've, 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 I usually listen to Sergeant Pepper's, so I, I just didn't put it on this week. But yeah, no, I didn't revisit any of them, unfortunately. And from yours, mm. we had American Psycho. Mm. It's a very, very good film. Um, and I, I thought about a little bit this week, but I didn't watch. Still sirens. That's amazing. This is just Southampton, isn't it? Yeah, no, that that was an ambulance as well, so that may well have been old Ethel. Well, God rest. Yeah, and... um, Imagine John Lennon. Imagine by John Lennon, yeah, of course, uh, that I didn't listen to. And your book was a play by George Bernard Shaw. Yes. Don Juan in Hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. I did. I could have made this a lot shorter by just saying no. I didn't revisit anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yours were, um, if I remember correctly, 
Oh, because one of them was the Smiths. Oh, yeah. So the Smiths was... I I think I did listen to just indirectly a song from the album, but I don't know if that counts. Um, gosh, what was your link? Was it first... Controversial figures. Ah, yes. So you also had Woody Allen and you had um, J.K. Rowling. And no, I haven't revisited any of those. So no, none of us get any points. Ah, well, interestingly, I've um, been following a little bit more of the um, J.K. Rowling's new book thing. Mm. Because they had a debate about about it on Good Morning Britain. Oh, yeah. Which I just happened to observe. Um, and I think it, it, it was an interesting debate because the person who was basically calling for everyone to not read it um, sounded like an idiot. Not read what? Not read her new book. Oh. Because it, it features a male character who dresses up as a, wom- as a female person, as a woman. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh my god, panels, well done. That was really, that was really well done. Yeah. You've got a bloke who dresses up as a woman... Yeah. In a dress and a wig to kill people. Blimey. And um, it's not referenced that he is a transvestite or uh, a transgender person. So, so basically, essentially what J.K. Rowling has done is she set up a trap for for all the people calling calling her out on her transphobic views, which are transphobic. Mm. She she has said some trans, a lot of transphobic things in the past. Yeah, but in the instance of this book, uh, that there, there is no overt transphobia, and she's basically just set everyone up for a fail. Mm. So it. Um, well, that's that's very convenient. That sh- that's the next book of hers coming out. Well, um, I think. I think that the the transphobia thing has been going on for for quite a long time. You don't think she wrote it as a sort of response, do you? I think very possibly. She just went, here we go, lads. You're going to walk straight into this one, I reckon. And they did. Yeah, but I don't know if that's quite right, having to sort of (laughs) write a whole book with these characters in just to prove that you're not... Um, well, I don't think it's. Well, she's not proving that she's not transphobic. She's sort of um, just proving. It essentially proves that there is an issue in the knee-jerk response of cancel culture, with inverted quotes. In inverted. Yeah. Inverted commas. Yeah. Inverted commas. Thank you. Um, which yeah, which I agree with, because. It's. It seems silly to not read a thing, assume what it's what it says in the thing, and tell everyone not to read the thing before you've even read the thing because you think you know what the thing says. So her argument is very much, don't boycott me because you don't know what what's coming next. Like you don't know if my next book's going to be. Or this don't or don't, that, or... don't try and destroy don't try and can't don't try and destroy a thing because of what you think it represents before you've actually tested it 
and found out whether or not it represents that. I see. I'm trying to ban, ban, a, trying to ban <coughs> a book for transphobia that has no transphobia in it. Very, it, yes. It's, it seems awkward, though. It seems a bit clumsy, because I can't stop thinking, is this just J.K. Rowling saying, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not transphobic. Look, book about, um, well, book with these characters in it. And then by doing that, it almost works, like, against her um, to say... To, there, I don't there, know. Is a, there is a slightly cyclical argument to all of this. You just go, why bother? Can you... Maybe maybe it is just like a coincidence and this was set up a long time ago and that was not a thing. But that feels like... Too, it feels like too much of a coincidence. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's... It's problematic, but interesting. Hmm. Lovely. So, in case you listeners um, didn't know, I hope my voice isn't too jarring today, because I do have a bit of a blocked nose. And cold, but I had one last week, and that seemed to go alright. But anyway, yes, should we... Um, that was an interesting discussion, but shall we um, do our options now? Do our choices? You want to crack on with the actual podcast? Yeah, well, we can I try mean, it. Well, I mean... We've been going for about half an hour. We could... Yeah. <laughs> we could actually do the podcast now. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, would you okay. like to start this week? Um, and are we happy with the usual order? Or do you want to change it up a yeah, bit? No, I, th- I, think, I think the usual order will be fine. Good. Good, good. Well, um, I'll hand over to you. Good, sir. Nightcrawler. Very good. Well, you, I, you want to talk my, about is this. my film this week. Sorry? I feel like you've wanted to talk about Nightcrawler for a while on here. I really like Nightcrawler. I meant to watch it last night, and then it got to about 11 o'clock, um, and I'd been watching some other things, and I'd been reading a bit of a book, and I just went, ah, I can't be asked to watch it. It's a bit late now. So I did. I haven't actually watched it very recently, but I've watched it a couple of times. It's really, really good, and I can't remember who directed it. <coughs> um, can you tell me? Uh um, Dan Gilroy. Does that ring any bells for you? Oh, yes. So, yeah, Velvet Gil- Buzzsaw. I knew he did that, but I haven't seen it. Um, the Born Legacy. Was it? Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yes. Re- oh, Real Steel. Of course. I haven't seen the Jason Bourne films. They are on my list, though. Wait, that Real Steel, he's not the director. Was he a writer on it? Oh, God. I think he... Um, you know what? We're just going to move on. That's fine. Can I quickly put a disclaimer in here? Go on. And you're not going to like this disclaimer? Am I not? No, you're not. I've watched Nightcrawler, however, I don't think I watched it up to the end. Then what was the point? I don't think I watched it up to the end. I think I was watching it in this is what happens in my family. So we were watching it as a family inside. Daniel had put it on and it got turned off at some point by my mum, who's very strict in what we watch and, and sort of if she doesn't like something she'll turn it off and, and and we won't watch it as a family. But I don't think I've picked it up from where I left it off. Um that is my disclaimer. But I remember really liking it as far as I went with it. Um and this is 
Yeah, this is my truth, and it's not a proud one, but... Um... Did you just say, this is my truth? Yes. I hate you. <laughs> Awful sentence. What was the... Um, I don't want to ask what the ending is, but is it especially important? It's, it's very interesting. Um, there's an element of... Do you know what the Dark Triad is? Um... Not without you explaining it to me now. The Dark Triad is a thing in philosophy, psychology, more rather, um, to describe um, elements of an evil personality. So you have psychopathy, then you get narcissism, and then you get Machiavellianism. You're going to have to explain the first one and the last one. Right, psychopathy, how much of a psychopath you are. Okay. Narcissism, how narcissistic, selfish, and yeah. self-centered you are. Machiavellianism is um, originates from Niccolo Machiavelli, who was a political advisor and theorist in the 1500s, who devised or explained uh, a way that uh, politicians and princes, as they were known at the time, should go about their business and a lot of that is to do with deceit and lying and ge being generally manipulative in order to get what you want um how interesting who coined the um dark triad phrase and was that something... did that come along later I, I think it was probably in the 1900s for some reason i want to say that it was um, begins with a G, I think. It comes after Freud. There was someone who basically took Freud's ideas and made them sound like a normal person would say them. Mm. Um, we've got Jonathan and Webster. Is that ringing any bells? Is that what the Dark Triad says? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I haven't looked into it in, in a whole load of detail, but there's a lot of interesting sort of triad -y stuff within Nightcrawler, especially the psychopathy part, where he is so lacking in empathy. Uh, yeah. He does sort of just do what, whatever he wants. That's what makes him good for the job of... Um... Yeah. Because Nightcrawler essentially is a... Is a way of breaking down and analysing the the coldness of journalism, mm. or more 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 specifically, TV journalism. That twenty four hour news cycle. It seems to be directed at Fox News, but I don't know if that's. I think I don't think it's. I think it's just directed at like television media in general, because mm. it's not. It's not only the selling of a narrative. It's the selling of a, of the narrative that they know sells. So you get this Rene Russo character who's basically going, give me crime, because crime sells. Yeah. And so you get um, Jake Journal's character, whose character name I've forgotten, um, gets a low-key camera, starts filming crimes, um... And then he gets a job at the news broadcaster, 
and then essentially the stakes get raised and raised and raised and raised um and he starts tampering with um crime scenes or scenes of accidents and bloody gore things just so he can get a better shot Hmm. um and get more money for that shot yeah and he starts essentially creating scenes and crimes so he can get a good story so he can get that big payout and that big scoop uh and it tackles that in a really really interesting way and nightcrawler is one of those films where you get a central character who is wholly unlikable yeah but you're still invested in the character it's because he's quite he's very like he's fascinating to watch this this man Mm. because i think when you when you get a glimpse it's very much it's sort of also a character study of that sort of mindset Mm. and so for for a lot of people to get a glimpse into the mind of that sort of person is really really interesting um because you don't really come across those people very often in life whereas it and it's and it's very different from me with something like the wolf of wall street where you go here is the glimpse into a man who who the type of which i am very familiar i really know how much i don't like that person Mm. which i don't actually want to spend very much time with that person and this is a three hour long film but they also i think the issue with wolf wall street is they try to make him likable almost as opposed to Nightcrawler, where they just present this character to you. Nightcrawler is is almost journalistic in its direction, in that it is yeah. very just straight. It is this is how it is. Yeah, it's um very objective. Mm. Whereas a Wolf of Wall Street. It comes across as being very subjective and you're just like, it's trying to sell you a narrative and you're just going, I'm not fucking buying it. Yeah. Stop trying to sell me your <coughs> pen. I don't want a pen. Yeah. And that, and, you know, and that thing at the end where they go, he just goes, sell me this pen. And they go, I don't, I'm not buying your fucking pen, mate. <laughs> go away. I don't like you. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's the main difference that I find with... Um, Nightcrawler and Wolf of Wall Street. I really like Nightcrawler. I think it's a really, really good film. I think it's really well directed, really tightly scripted. Um, Brilliantly acted. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. Yes. And you, I'm thinking of it in relation to the Dark Trad thing. I think you've thrown me a line there because he's the protagonist has all three of those because um, he's a bit like a Pathic. He's also um, very narcissistic and manipulative, isn't he? I don't know how narcissistic he is. Oh, I think he. It's. It... I think there's elements of narcissism, but I don't think you get that full narcissism within him, because you go like, narcissism is loving yourself, and just being so almost weirdly proud of yourself constantly and that's sort of not what he is he's sort of just a man with a fierce work ethic and no morals 
Yeah. Hmm. Let's go for unlikable protagonists as my guess. Um, you could probably fit it, fit fit that link for all of the things, but that's not what the link is. Okay. Interesting. Um, mm. my film. I'm a bit wary of talking about this film really because I feel like we we talk about this quite a lot. Um, okay. so I'll try to keep it brief. Um, it's Blade Runner, 1982 version. Okay. I feel like you've had the 2049 version, and we've also had Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep on here before. Yeah, so. I think... It was quite a long time ago. I can't really remember how much we've spoken about Blade Runner, but it is re- it is a really important piece of filmmaking. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it still looks absolutely brilliant and breathtaking today, which is crazy because it was made in 1982. Yeah, it's Roger Deakins, isn't it, as the cinematographer? Yes. Who is, I think, is the cinematographer for Dune. Yes, I think he is. The film of that. He's brilliant. You got got any opinions about Dune? Well, I'm sure we all saw the trailer that dropped last week. Yes. Or the week before. Um, I've read something. You know, you've got the sort of very impressive CGI alien um at the end of the trailer who sort of rises from the sand yeah i read something where apparently it took um the director denis Villeneuve um about an insane amount of time to, to design this this um alien so i feel like it's going to be one of those films where it's very very intricately detailed and everything's thought through like yeah. very well so I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot well he also did a Blade Runner 2049 and you get the amount of detail that's in that mm. and, and he also did Arrival yes. which is incredibly complex and well woven mm. I think it might we know we can do sci-fi so I think it's yeah, yeah. I think it'll probably be really good yeah. but the thing about it is I did see a thing that was talking about how in Dune um a lot of the characters or, or the setting generally of it has sort of and it and it is inspired a lot from arabic culture and that sort of thing i saw that somewhere online i'm not sure i think it may i don't know uh, and and then <laughs> and then i saw uh, uh, basically a bunch of screenshots of the cast it's just a load of white people yeah, it very much is. I don't know, because the, the novel Dune was by Frank Herbert, and I've always yeah. imagined him to be a, a white... No, no, I think I think he is, but I think that, that but I think he's acknowledged that a lot, the, there are certain inspirations and parts of the text have come from uh, Arabic culture, possibly. I don't... I didn't take the time to, to verify that I just no. or um I might read into that actually that sounds quite interesting. Yeah, I think I need to research that a little bit more. Mm. And I think the film will probably be really good. Probably will be. It'll be I, pretty epic. Get the, I might get the book. I'm trying mm. to get the book. I'm trying to get into reading more. That'd be... I think the reason that I wanted to do this podcast initially was so I could read more books and I haven't actually read many more books since we started. Oh. Uh. I read like 3 books. Well, you have to, unless you run out of books now, which is a good thing. 
Yeah, I know. I've run out of plays to talk about as well, pretty much. Blimey. Because as many plays as I have read, I can only talk about them once. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I need to read. I need to read more books. That sounds like a good idea. I love it. I love reading. I always, I try. I, it's bad for you apparently to go on your phone just before bed. So I go on my phone, and then I break it up with a bit of reading, and then I go to bed. I feel. I feel like that's a better way to do it. So just slip it in before bed. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, so the original um, Dune film, sorry, we're going off topic Blade Runner a bit, but um, the original Dune film was not very successful at all. No, it was um, directed by the weird one. David Lynch. Lynch David Lynch. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened with that original one. I, I, I just know that it's one of his worst films. Yeah, I know that lots of people say that it sucks. Yeah. I think lots of people. I think maybe it's because people revere the original text of Dune so much. Mm. Yeah, it, it's said to be you know one of the greatest sci-fi novels ever written. Yeah, and you get a weirdly Lynchian production of it, and you just go, oh, no. Yeah, something about this doesn't feel right. Mm. Um, maybe it was the fact. Well, I know that Dennis Villeneuve was very um, determined to shoot um, this in an actual desert. So they're, uh-huh. they're actually there, whereas in the original, I, I doubt that they actually went, went those stretches. Yeah, probably. Mm. I think Denis Villeneuve probably got a bigger budget. Yes, almost definitely. I mean, yeah. But uh, just because something's old doesn't mean that it it's necessarily the worst version. For example, bringing it back to Blade Runner, I think this is a better version um, of Blade Runner, and the remake wasn't really a remake; it's more of a sequel. But um, as much as it was very good, I don't think that it, it beat the original. I don't know if you have a favorite. I prefer the original. Good. But I um, but the sequel definitely captured something fundamental from the first one and allowed that to carry on. Mm. But the there are definitely sections of it that feel strange. The Jared Leto thing from 2049. Mm. It it feels like it both feels like it fits and it also doesn't. Yes. In a, in a strange way. I can't quite I remember how he fits into it all off the top of my head, but I remember that just seeing just sort of the Jared Leto scenes were sort of just spliced along the whole film and sort of just thrown in um, a bit willy nilly, just sort of scattered. And I never quite made full sense of them. But there's an element of that with the original Blade Runner as well. I mean, I feel like, so for those of you who don't know, I will quickly just um, talk about the plot. So you've got Deckard Shaw, um, whose job it is to hunt down, he's a, he's a Blade Runner, and he has to hunt down um, replicants, which are the sort of artificial intelligence of the time, and that is his job. And um, essentially he falls in love with one, and then we get this whole sort of debate on um, the morality of it, whether... AI is actually sort of sentient and whether it has empathy and feels things, um, which I think that it's very much hinted at in both films that they do. Um, but yeah, that, that's basically the plot. But anyway, there's a bit in um, the original Blade Runner where he's sort of doing some detecting and it lost me on the first couple of watches. I don't know if you remember the sort of middle section. Very um. 
I don't know uh, what you're talking about, really. Well, it's where he's sort of um, he's following clues um, and he's hunting down um, the prostitute. Okay. I just remember being a bit lost at that bit, but I did watch it when I was quite young um, on first thing. But it, I mean, it, it, I understand it now. Um, but yes, this film is directed by um, Ridley Scott, Scott, who um, is very good at sci-fi, and he's he's a brilliant director. And he's also making a Gladiator two at the moment, which I'm really not sure about. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound right. No, that seems contrived and probably won't work. But um, there we go. Um, it's got a great cast. You've got um, Harrison Ford, who I don't usually like very much, but I really like him as Deckard Shaw in both films. Um, you've got the beautiful and brilliant Sean Young as Rachel, who is the, um, she is a replicant and she is the one who Deckard falls in love with um, and elopes with in the end. Well, runs away with anyway. Um, but yes, it's um, a very good film. I didn't realise people don't actually like Sean Young that much, the actress. No? Um, no, I, I was looking her up, obviously, because in research for this, and she'd run, won a couple of um, Golden Raspberries for worst performance ever not for this film but for like later films that came came on oh dear oh dear indeed that's interesting i haven't really seen much of her other films no me neither so i can't really comment (laughs) yeah anyway do you know what i find interesting about these ai films it's that they all they all seem to follow a similar trend in this i'm comparing mostly i'm talking about ex machina and this Blade Runner film is where the creation kills the um, creator. Yeah, that seems to be a common trend in sci-fi because it it almost seems like the natural order of things. Like how it's almost like an evolutionary thing. Mm. You build you build something that will outlive you. Yeah, and uh, there, there's a weird, there's a weirdly, there's a weird fear that we seem to associate with that. But and then we mix it with empathy by essentially positing that these things that we create have consciousness and can mimic being human. Yeah, I think it it might be that whole thing that they didn't ask to be made. Yeah, almost. Um, you know, and and they no are one asks to be made. No, but it's like they were made, made. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you designed. were made, but you were made, made by your parents. No, but I wasn't designed, um, in the way that they were. So that every ounce of their programming has been programmed by someone. Um, but, but so they can. Although a lot of the time in in these sci-fi things, the point is that it outgrows its programming. Yeah, it's what so much of the case is, because you get Blade Runner and Ex Machina, where it's not that it it does exactly what it was programmed to do, but it outgrows and it learns. So artificial intelligence is supposed to do. It's supposed to be mm. a learning mechanism. So you put down the things for it to grasp initially, and then it learns and grows. Mm. I know you don't like iRobot much, but I'm pretty sure a similar thing happens in the film version of iRobot. 
iRobot iRobot is a stupid film because it abandons the initial principle of the of the stories from mm. which it originates because I've said this multiple times iRobot exists as a way of positively saying technology is good and it will learn and it will become better than us and that's fine mm. and and the film of iRobot goes down the more sellable robot apocalypse route yeah the, the the film you get the robots and you get this robot sunny who does i think kill his inventor as well it's just a very common theme for ai it's a it's almost a cliche for the ai to kill its creator yeah it's a frankenstein thing as well isn't it yeah yeah it's it's an interesting route to route to go down i don't know why it's sort of just considered oh yeah that's going to happen because what why? Why do they? We don't kill our fathers, do we? Not unless you're afraid. No, I suppose. I suppose it might actually all come down, come back to that. Um... Oedipus. Oedipus, yes. Oedipus. Yeah, Oedipus Rex. Um, CBs. Basically, killed his father out of jealousy, which Freud decided to call penis envy. Yeah. Um. And then had sex with his mother, and then they both thought about what the hell they'd done, gouged their own eyes out. Yeah, which was interesting. Um, so yeah, maybe it does sort of come come back to that that sort of killing your your creator thing. Mm. It's interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. So in that, have you sort of talked about why you decided to pick? Uh, uh, yes. Yes, I have. Okay. Well, there's a lot of stuff to to think about there because you got the the wor- the slightly worse sequel. Yeah. Thing. Um. And then you also have uh, AI, which we've talked about many, many times. Yeah. Well, because you're very interested in AI. You like I it love. Up. I love it. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And just sort of the, uh, the where consciousness comes from, I think is something that's really interesting mm. because it's so subjective. Because consciousness is something that's really hard to define. But to believe in AI, you probably don't believe in a soul. Well, it depends on AI... Uh, in in the way that you define it, if you're defining like AI in the terms of the Blade Runner sort of uh, ex machina thing, where it essentially learns to be human, mm. I suppose no, you can't, because if you're just imbue, you can't imbue a chunk of metal with a soul. No. Or maybe it's something. It is something that is just learned. Maybe it's there's the uh, there's the the you get part of the idea where maybe that consciousness or self consciousness is you could argue that it's almost like an evolutionary thing essentially because humans are like definitively the apex predator of Earth mm. and we are as far as we can tell one of the only creatures with a fully functioning self-consciousness. So possibly that is an evolutionary advantage. 
Mm. And if you create, if you have a species with that that creates something that it, that is so advanced at learning that maybe that thing learns self-consciousness. Yeah, I mean that's the theory that Plato, Plato's theory, wasn't it? Is that like we think, therefore we are. So that's is that Plato? Is that someone else? That's Rene Descartes. I think <coughs> therefore I am. Yeah, I think therefore I am. Yeah. Um, but I think the consciousness thing is is really interesting because, or that soul, the the element mm. of having a soul. What it? What do you define a soul as being? Sort of, it's it's a consciousness, isn't it? In my opinion, it's like a. Obviously, animals think, but we question life it's understanding like that we are mortals and it's just a greater understanding and a belief it's like it's like looking at looking at your reflection in in a pool of water and understanding that you're looking at yourself yeah which animal which some animals don't necessarily do yeah it's just understanding um so in in that sense you you can believe in a soul and believe in AI at the same time. Can you program understanding? No, but the the entire point of AI is that it it's a it's a method of learning. So it learns from the people that create it. So humans create it. Humans are very thoughtful sometimes philosophical, you know, generally practice consciousness. And you create something that is designed to learn from you, and at some point, it will learn that. Mm. So in some, in so the way you're defining a soul, you can learn how to have a soul. Yeah. But I think um, sort of the problem that a lot of people come across when they talk about AI is they talk about yeah, human like you're born this way which uh, hum, humans in our genetic programming that happens by accident and often randomly mm. you just end up being born as the person that you are born and then you get the whole nature-nurture thing of be, becoming the person that you end up being which yeah. is a mixture of both the genes that you are born with and then the environment that you grow up in. And everything about everything in life is a balance between nature and nurture. It's an argument it's a discussion you quite you see quite often in film discussion. Disc- hmm? You see that quite a lot, quite often in film. Uh, the Terence Malick film Tree of Life is all about the contrast between nature and nurture and it yeah. has more yeah, and it's it's something that you find in a lot of discussions regarding um, LGBTQ conversations. Mm. Yes, you go. Were you were you born this way, or did we did you grow up to be to be who you are? And I think the generally accepted thing is you are born that way, and then the nurture is almost when you accept that. Hmm. Um, nothing biologically different like it's not in their genetic programming is it probably I don't know 
Well, I think there's an element of it, yes. But... There's not like a gay gene, um, to simplify it a lot, but there's not like... But, yeah. the, but you're... I don't think... No, I don't think there necessarily is a gay gene, but it's something that uh, is instilled in a person from birth. You don't learn to be gay. No. You learn that you are gay. For example. Yeah. I mean, sexuality is another interesting discussion when it comes to AI, um, which they deal with quite quite nicely in Ex Machina. I think... What the, in, in Ex Machina, there's, the, there's that big discussion about why did he design uh, her to be female. Yeah. And that is purely because he wanted to. Mm. He thought he what thought it was so weird this weird like miso vaguely misogynistic thing. You just go yeah. I thought I, I wanted to design design something that I thought was hot. It's yeah. nasty. Don't do that. Mm. But yeah. I don't Blade Runner basically posits the theory that you can that it can be learned. Yes, I think so. And that, but also that um, replicants can be unaware that they're replicants. Um, yeah, it, and it delves into that a little bit more in 2049, doesn't it? Yeah. All the, the humans can be unsure that they're humans. It's basically blurring the lines. Yeah, that's so what it is. It's, it's essentially trying to say that we're all the same. Yeah. Even though we come from different places, yeah. Exactly. So it's it's very much sort of supporting nurture as an argument for being, essentially, because it's it's the it's the environment you grow up in teaches you how you are. Possibly. Because it, because if you if you, because learning is not nature, learning is nurture. Yeah. For for example, we didn't know about irrational numbers in our nature. We learnt about them through understanding and our environment and stuff like that. So we we learned through nurture, through yes. the environment, not because we innate innately knew it. Okay, yes, I mean, yes, I'd agree with you. It does argue for nurture. Over nature, yeah. Don't know if I agree with that. No, I think it does, from what you said. Cause... No, 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 no I, I know that it does argue that, but I don't know if I agree with that argument. What, of nurture over nature? Well, I don't yeah. know. I think... I th oh, gosh, I think... <sighs> It's, it's, do you know what I keep thinking of? I keep thinking of if, if you raised someone in an isolated room and they had no idea of surroundings, that would be entirely nurture, wouldn't it? If they had no environment to live in except maybe a four, four walls. Well, that is that is a that is nurture in in that is a form of nurture. That's isolated nurture because there's no nature involved there. No, no, it's. A, no, because nature is purely what what is going on inside. Yeah. 
but the nurture is every everything has a nurture element so for for if you really want to talk about removing nurture completely you would try and strip it down to the base evolutionary things like you know but even then the way that humans exist or homo sapiens or even neanderthals and homo erectus and stuff like that an instinctive part of nurture is living in a community yeah in the yeah. same way that it is for fish yeah that is correct so so there is actually no way of doing an experiment of nature over nurture because they are weirdly intertwined or yeah. at least you can't create an environment such that nurture doesn't play any part in someone's understanding. And vice versa, you can't create an environment in which nature plays no part in someone's yeah. understanding. Yes. Well, or well, the the nature thing is probably easier to do because you take it, you just get an enormous sample size and you raise them in exactly the same way. Hmm. And and you see how how they all end up. So you basically take a bunch of people, all for you basically do a mass adoption system. You take about twenty people, and you raise them in exactly the same circumstances. Basically, raise them in one single family. Yeah. And then you see how they all turn out, and you make sure that none of those people are connected genetically in any way. So you take them from lots of different. It, yeah, it's basically adoption. Yeah, but we can see that anyway. We can see that already, just by looking at adopted families, knowing that you know my my mum's adopted. And you can look at her, the way that her siblings are, and you notice the way that they were brought up yeah. <clears throat> impacts their behaviour. Yeah. But there is also fundamental differences in the way that they behave, based on sort of people that they are yeah we're defined by both yeah yeah but AIs I don't know if it's one more than the other it's probably you'd think it'd be nurture your instinct would be nurture yes it would because they would be you would program them in such a way yeah. In in as as AI exists, that they'd be more uh, open to learning or mm. better at learning. Yeah. Precisely. Well, blimey. That was a long discussion. That was a long discussion. I'm impressed that we kept that going. To be honest, because that was pretty mentally straining for me. I don't know about you. Yeah. No, my head hurts now. Yeah. We're just I'm just gonna say um consciousness is your link. Um, no. Okay. Not that close, but you you know, you'll get it. Um right, so your film was a nightcrawler. What is your piece of music for today? My piece of music, my album is Yeezus by Kanye West. Is <sighs> Right, go on, talk to me about it. Right, okay. So Yeezus is a 2013 album by Kanye West, um, and it has really, really good songs on it. 
Like it's like blood on the leaves, um, <clears throat> new slaves, black skinhead. It's so good. Right, so you put it on, essentially, and it opens up with, um, I can't remember what the opening track is called, but you, you get this very, very distinctive sound just sort of coming out of the coming out of the speakers. Um, and the thing I like about Kanye West a lot is he's a horrible person. And he's like, one of the things that's really interesting about uh, Yeezus, um, <clears throat> probably more than his other music, is that it is very narcissistic. There is a track called I Am A God. <laughs> yeah. um, he, he's got in trouble for that before, saying stuff like that, um, claiming to be... Um, I don't think religious people like him because he claims to be... I, I feel like there's a thing where he said he was Jesus at one point. I just can't remember. Well, he... he, um, he, he one of his nicknames that he has... I don't know if he has it for himself or just that he has in general is is Yeezy. Yeezy. Um, and, then, right. and then that's sort of where Yeezus comes from. Yeah. Sort of referring to himself in a slightly knowing way as Jesus. Yeah. Um... You do listen to a lot of this. It certainly uses. Um, I listen to it and I just go, oh no, this is a genius who's made this music. Because this is just... No one sounds like this, could sound like this, would try to sound like this, and also would do it as well as this. Mm. <clears throat> I have to give him a proper lesson at some point. I really do. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good music. Um... And he's been going off on one on Twitter recently about uh, Universal Music Group and Sony mm. uh, as in, like owning his master tapes, uh, and he's yeah. basically trying to buy them all back and and rewrite. And he's essentially trying to rewrite musical contracts yeah. so that so the artists always own their own masters. Um, it's still such an issue. As much as it was in the sixties with the Beatles and the Pink Floyd stuff, like the um, music corporations and companies and record labels, yeah. um, cutting them out of the deal somehow, or just it's it's a constant struggle for musicians. I feel more so than any other artist. Yeah, and it's really interesting to observe him doing this because he's dead serious about it. You can absolutely tell that. You know, he's he's had an album that was supposed to come out like a month and a half ago, just didn't come out. Um, and now he's basically saying the album's not going to come out until I can until I get all my master tapes back. And he's he's one he's probably the most powerful musician in the world right now. Yeah, like there have been more powerful in the past. You know, probably Bowie and Lennon, Bo Lennon, Prince, yeah. to a certain extent, probably Michael Jackson, who who had the power the power that Kanye has now, and, can and he's dead serious about changing the system. Similar, so, similar to Beyonce, power wise, I think. Yeah, they're both in very unique positions in which. They're musicians, but they have a lot of influence 
in all matters regarding music. Yeah. Mm. He's, it's um, really, really interesting to to watch that, and then and then also put it in like put it in line with the music that he's made as well. Because you, I saw an interview with him, uh, by with David Letterman that's on Netflix. You know the, the long form interviews that David Letterman has been doing, um, and he talks about how how Kanye differs from Jay Z. Who both, you know, got started together and sort of grew up in that world with each other. Mm. And you sort of Jay Z is more of a storyteller and sort of explores storytelling within rap. And Kanye is very much his music is very much about him. Yeah. And it's um very focused on himself, which um is really interesting, and the way that and the way that he makes his music, as well, you can you can sort of tell, yeah. um, is is very very interesting and very it's really well done. It's really good music, a lot of it. Is this the um the album that you played in your car and you had to switch it off because your mum was there? No, that was my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Ah, yes. See, so this uh, is. I, I feel like, as well as the narcissism, isn't there an element of insecurity as well with Kanye? I've um, imagined that. Is he insecure? I don't really know. I think there may be an element of it, but... There's a sort of... You can never really tell with Kanye. Mm. Because there's so much bravado... In in the music that he makes, and obviously you know, he's got he's got bipolar, um, yeah. and sometimes he refuses to take his medicine, and so he ends up you know going off on one and saying things like slavery is a choice. Yes, um, quite. So it, it's a really really hard line to define anything about. Kanye. Mm. I think he's a really interesting figure to sort of observe. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out if I actually like him. I don't think I do. Mm. But I think everything he does is worth a time to sort of look at. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's similar to Nightcrawler in that way that you that you're more than happy to watch this man. Um do what he's doing and, you know, be slightly unlikable, but he's compelling enough for you to still watch what he yeah. does. Um, but I don't think that's your link about that. I think it's each thing you've chosen is an element of the dark triad. So Kanye's narcissism, um, Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler was obviously the psycho element. So your next one should be um, manipulative, maybe? Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Lovely. I was I was really, really proud of my link this week. I thought it was a clever link. That's another good link. I like it a lot. You good yeah. with the with the trio ones? I should, I should try get one of those in. It's difficult to get one in though, and sort of, it do it subtly. Yeah. In a way, because you do have to explain to them what 
the trio is if they don't know what this trio is, which is what you had to do to me. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't have got it otherwise. But yeah, good link. Very nice. Nice. So, in that case then, uh, well, you get two points. And yes. now, what's your music, please? My music is... Um, I can't talk about this for too long because I it's only a song. I've chosen a song again. Um, the song is... By the Wombats. I don't know if you're familiar with the Wombats. Yes, you probably are. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kill the Director, which is one of the most famous songs. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Wombats sort of are quite an interesting band because they grew to fame pretty much out of the in-betweeners because <laughs> one of their songs was featured as the as the intro and then that became listened to a lot and then through that the Wombats thrived out of that and they've got a very particular sound which doesn't go down well with everyone some people hate the wombats there's that whole indie alternative sort of overly britishness about their yeah. singing and their sort of silly british lyrics in the same way that people don't like oasis for that i don't not many i mean some people don't like the wombats for for their sound but you know i think it's it's listenable. Um, I wouldn't listen to a whole album. I'd pick out songs and. Yeah, I've I've tried listening to Life, Love, Loss, and Des and Depression. Yeah. Whatever that album is. Something like that. Um, I tried listening to it. It's just sort of not, not really there. No. But you get you do get stuff like Kill the Director and Let's Dance to Joy, to Joy Division. Yeah. Which are which are really really good. Yeah, they're so definitely gonna... not an albums band by any means. No, no, not at all. Um, which I think is interesting for for a a group to not really be an album sort of group. It doesn't seem like a very sustainable business method. <laughs> no, but do you not feel like it's becoming more common with um, just picking out songs on Spotify, people don't listen to albums as much as they used to. They do listen to songs. Yeah. Um, people, and with Spotify, I think everybody's, we want, we're looking to make a playlist. Yeah. Not yes. listen to an album, which I get, absolutely do get that. You know, it's basically an advancement of the whole mixtape thing. Yeah. But I, I'm always more of an album person. So am I. So am I. I think with that spot, with Spotify and with online streaming services, bands like the Wombats and like, to be honest, most I don't want to group them all together, but most like indie alternative bands, um, like sort of I don't know the the Seagulls or Arctic Monkeys to an extent. I wouldn't call an albums band. Um, I don't know how, but they found me. Hmm. I don't know how, but they found me. Is like one is choke, and that's it. Yeah. Don't know anything else that they've ever done. They yeah. have released a new thing recently, haven't listened to it, and probably won't. This is it. I, I feel like I'm not going to go over the top and be really dramatic and be like, this is the death of the album. Spotify is killing albums. It's not, because people are still releasing really good albums, but there's definitely... There's, uh, less, of, and, there's less of an appeal. Yeah. Yeah, and you get, like, Lewis Capaldi, he didn't release that album. He released lots of singles, and then put them on an album afterwards i think yeah, it's, it's like divide yeah, yeah. like the, the thing that the, one of my favorite it's a very very boring meme about divide is literally i picked up um 
was it? I picked up Ed Sheeran's new album, and it's a picture of a, a pack of cheese that goes fourteen cheesy singles. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, al- albums are becoming much less a thing that is that has been worked on extensively, and it's more like here's a hit. Yeah. Here's a hit. Here's a hit. Mm. I agree, and I'm not for that. And some people will be, and that's fine. Like, I still listen to the hits because they're good, but yeah. it's nothing quite like sitting down and just listening to an album, in my opinion. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm much more in favour of albums than any, anything else. Yeah. But, oh, no, yeah, we're just sounding like old men. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Just like, because in the, in the old days, if you wanted to hear a... My mum... My mum's really, really wonderful in this in this area because she used to buy LPs not because uh, she wanted to listen to to an album, but because there was a song on the album <laughs> and it was more cost efficient to buy the LP <laughs> than just to buy like the single. Yeah, that's brilliant. No, I I can understand that. That is a good way to do it. Yeah, because get... if you just buy the single, you get two tracks. And it, you could buy an album and you get about, you know, ten tracks and it's yeah. only twice as expensive. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, yeah, that was, I didn't expect to be having that discussion, but I'm glad we did. That was an interesting one. Yeah, so let's kill the director. Um, why why that one? Well, it's their most famous one and to be fair, it probably is. Is it one of the, my favourite? Yeah, it's probably one of my favourite songs, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's significant to my link, without giving too much away. Well, yeah, because it... Um, you it probably opened, got it. it. It opens with, I've met someone who makes me feel, see, feel seasick. Yeah. Or skills so many things that make it distinctive. Much better in the dark, don't. Girls who break your heart. This is a rom-com. Give the director. You, they've got that, yeah, <sighs> that tone of voice. If this is a rom-com, kill the director like that. Very, very don't. childish. Yeah, and like the lyrics as well are just bonkers a lot of the time. They don't mean anything. Yeah, you could sort, of, you could, you could probably try and read into it if you wanted to, but there's no really no point. Um, <sighs> I'm not really seeing a link somehow. Oh, oh no, no, no! It's kill the list, killing the creator, kill the director, as in the creator. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. That is my link. It's um, killing the creator. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you now. Very. So yeah, it's a, like, like we talked about earlier. It's a, it's an interesting theory that we all want to kill our dads and screw our mums, but I mean, I. I mean, personally, I don't. Um, what about you, Jay? No, I'm. I'm good. Yeah, I'm alright. I'm quite happy. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm. I'm alright. I mean, I. I'd probably agree. I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't be adverse to um, being convinced that we go for people that maybe remind us of our parents in a way, because obviously they've had such an influence on us and. So that wouldn't surprise me if I that think turned out to be true. There's, there's probably a, a, a psychological 
thing where you where you tend towards something that's familiar, possibly. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's, and so for for a lot of men, or mainly heterosexual men, you tend towards the familiar and the and the feminine. So you end up somewhere where you, if you really want to screw with your own head, you can start reading into things that remind you of your mother, possibly. Mm, yeah, it's probably more. I don't think it'll be a physical thing, as um, Freud suggests that a sexual attraction. I feel like it's probably more of a, it's like you said, psychological. Thing of like things that remind us personality traits maybe yeah um, I don't feel like in that way inclined but yes that's my link killing the creator interesting interesting the death of the artist right, right yeah. your um my book book which I can try to guess <coughs> um so it's going to be about a manipulative character mm sounds fun um blimey there's quite a lot oh, okay i'm gonna go for um the ultimate manipulative character who's probably um iago in oh. um fuck, 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 don't tell me oh, othello. oh uh, yes thank you uh, iago and othello yes is that what you've chosen I have not chosen Othello. Othello would probably fit quite well. Othello also um, works with jealousy in a really fun way. Mm. So really, really, just that, that the way that that can fuck with your head, yeah, is really cool. But no, I haven't picked Othello. Um, it's a good guess though. What I have picked is I talked about Machiavellianism. Um, yes. And then explained what Machiavellianism is. What I've actually picked is um, the the original, the OG Machiavelli and the Prince. Wow. Which is essentially him setting out his political theory. And I'll be perfectly honest, I bought it two days ago and I haven't finished it yet. It's a very short book. It's mm. the, the version I've got is about 100 pages. Um so is it but, fiction or is it an essay? Sorry, um, it's essentially a political essay. Yeah. Okay. Um, political history. So, and explaining, it was. <laughs> so Machiavelli was thrown out of, essentially Italian court, when uh, the when the Medici's um, took over Florence, and uh, Machiavelli was part of the old regime and got booted out. And this, the prince, was his offering to the Medici's as a way of getting back into politics mm. by basically offering his own observations, which were very, very astute and very intelligent about the political system and political maneuvering. And he spends the first half of the book basically explaining qualities of leaders, how they get to where they are, and how they maintain their position. So he talks about Cesare Borgia and Pope Alexander II. Mm. He talks a little bit about more historical examples. So um, there's some stuff in there about the Spartans and old sort of ancient Greek figures. 
and Roman emperors. He references Romulus. Yeah. Uh, at one point. Yeah. In, the bu- in the building of Rome, and it's it's a really really good book because you you essentially learn it's it's a really nice insight into the world of politics at that time um there's so there's such a there's such an interesting amount of brutality in it as well because he talks about princes who the, he said there are two main ways that princes gain power through good fortune or by skill yeah and some you know rise up through the ranks gain skill and power and then take over a province or a principality and then mm. that place is very easy to maintain because they laid the groundwork yeah. but it was hard to get to that place because they had to do a lot of groundwork people like Adolf Hitler for example sort of someone rising up in that way no not not so much you're more sort of talking about um people like Romulus mm. who put in a huge amount of effort to get to that place to build the to build Rome as it yeah as it became and then maintaining his power or Alexander the Great is an example that he uses you know this historical figure who put in so much work and just absolutely just stormed the entire Persian Empire and conquered it all and then died at the age of 34 Mm. And then his successors didn't lose it immediately because Alexander had put in so much groundwork to conquer okay. the area that it was a lot easier for them to maintain the control that their predecessor had set up. Yeah. Whereas you get people who sort of come into it by good fortune. Uh, for example, Cesare Borgia, who basically came into his Italian power through his father, Pope Alexander II. And Pope Alexander tried to build up um, sorry, tried to build up um, Borgia to maintain control and essentially to shift power away from the church and into Borgia, which was a more stable and better, more efficient way of using their power. So Cesare Borgia came into it with a lot of good fortune and then had to do a lot of work to maintain it. And he was really, really clever and was an expert manipulator and sort of, so you bolster up your, your you, you use lots of weaker allies to bolster mm. you up whilst maintaining that they stay as weak as they are. Yeah. Uh, rather than using people like the French, uh, and the, and the Spanish, which which were very potent examples at the time, to bolster you up, and then you're indebted to them, and you can't fight back against them. So you're sort of shackled by your greater powers, whereas if you just use a lot of skill and uh, smaller powers, you can then sort of just not... You can do whatever you want, really, mm. because they're not powerful enough to stop you. So, so this author of the book, after he published the essays, was he accepted back? Uh, no. No. Uh, he wrote this in about fifteen twelve. 
no, not 1512, probably about 1516, I think it was, that he wrote this and sent it to Medici, and it was unsuccessful. So essentially, Machiavelli just wrote a ton more political theory books. Um, the Art of War is another one that he wrote, not the Sung Su one, obviously. Mm. Um, he wrote loads more books, and this was The Prince was published in 1532, and he died in 1528, so it was post... It was, Published post mortem, yeah. but it's probably his most famous work. Mm-mm. It just sounds really interesting. What was it called again? The Prince. The Prince. Yeah. Just sound uh, good. Yeah, it's really, really interesting, and I really like the the story about Borgia. I find fascinating because there is an element of ruthlessness in it as well. But uh, Borgia uses ruthlessness as, in a in a really interesting way. Because he goes on to later talk about people who came into power via evil. And so there was someone uh, who was a Roman soldier of sorts who rose up through the ranks um, from very humble beginnings and decided to he wanted to seize power. So he essentially gathered all the senators and all the people in one big place and then he quartered off the senators and killed every single one of them. Um, and he had he had his troops murder them all, and then they, and then he came in, and then he had his power by that, mm. and then he managed to keep it. And there was a more modern example of someone who did a similar thing, just at the time of Borgia, and then that person who gained his power through evil means, or by being really really ruthless, to a to a fault then was tricked by Borgia uh, when Borgia was striking out at his weaker allies and got himself killed. Mm. So Borgia was inherently cleverer, but his undoing came from his Pope Alexander dying before he thought he, before he wanted to, and then Borgia himself dying at the wrong time and choosing the wrong, and then he, but he chose the wrong Pope to take over because he gained so much power in all the cardinals that he allowed someone he pissed off mm. um, to, to become the next pope and it that came his undoing and the Borgia control sort of dissolved quite soon after that sounds, that sounds really interesting I like history stuff and yeah. like examples of certain traits through history is always it's always an interesting mm. read. I'll see if it's online. If it's online I might give it a give it a read. Yeah. I, I bought it from my local Waterstones for about six quid. Yeah, pretty good. And and I was thinking about getting the audiobook and it was like thirty quid. So I I definitely got the right thing. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh This is turning into a long podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're get we're heading for two hours for this one. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Seth. Yeah. Your book, which is about killing the creator. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Frankenstein right at the start, so I'm just going to go with Frankenstein. Yes, I wish I could have chosen Frankenstein, but having not read it or seen a decent adaptation, I didn't choose Frankenstein. Um, I chose. We need to talk about Kevin. Oh. Okay. Um, which was written by 
uh, I don't know how you say her name, Lionel Shriver, Lionel Shriver maybe, in 2005. And it was a very successful book. It won uh, lots of prizes for fiction. She won Women's Prize for Best Fiction of the Year. Um, and then obviously later it was adapted into the film by the director, another woman director, um, Lynn Ramsey. Yes. Um, and I haven't seen her most recent film, um, You Were Never Really Here. But I need to watch that. That's supposed to be really, really good. Whacking Phoenix as yes. well. Yeah. But it's, it's it's quite dystopian, I think. Very yeah. Blade Runner-y. Yeah. I need to watch that. It's really short as well, so I could literally just whack it on and finish it in about an hour and a half, which would be great. So I might yeah. do that. But um, we can talk about Kevin. So, uh, disclaimer, I haven't actually read the book. Um, but I've seen the film. Have you seen the film? I haven't seen the film. I do need to go and watch it. It does sound really, really good. Do, do you know um, the premise of the, of the film? Uh, it's very much about the mother and son, is it? Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. So you've got this um, this mother who um, we'll call Tilda Swinton because that's who plays her in the film. And um, Tilda Swinton <coughs> excuse me, has a child. And it's interesting because you know the way that um, post... Um, is it post-maternal... Um, um, oh, post, postnatal depression. Postnatal depression, yeah. So that usually works from the mother's side. Um, yeah. So she feels an attachment towards her child. And whereas she very much does, the child has a similar detachment towards her oh. as well. Um, which, I mean, it's, it's, a very, it's a very disturbing... Um, idea because you've got this child who's like a complete, he just goes completely rogue all the time but the father, played by John C. Riley in the film is very much blind to it and this child only really acts up when he's around um, his mother and he's completely fine with his father so he creates a rift between them in that way as well and that's quite interesting, it is really strange Um, and they've got these really uncomfortable scenes Um, one that stayed with me is um, Tilda Swinton, the mother, walks in to the bathroom um, to see her child, played by Ezra Miller brilliantly in the film, um, masturbating in the bathroom. Oh, he just, he doesn't he just look her in the eye and keep going? Dead eye contact and just keeps going. It's so strange. And um, she has another child after um, Kevin, and um, she leaves Kevin to babysit her daughter, and she comes back, and the daughter's been blinded. Um, and she suspects um, Kevin of having done this because he's, you know, she thinks she knows that he is a very strange child. Um, but the father defends um, Kevin to the end. Um, and obviously, I don't want to spoil the ending, but um, it's all told in a series of flashbacks. And um, with um, Kevin sitting in jail um, on the second anniversary of the school shooting which he committed um, with a bow and arrow. He shot a few people through the head with a bow and arrow. Um, the school shooting with a bow and arrow? Yes, school massacre, we'll call it a massacre. Bloody um, hell. Yeah, he's a big fan of Robin Hood, so he learned to um, fire a bow and arrow. And um, because of my link, I will tell you, he does end up killing um, one of his parents as well. Mm. Oh dear. By the way, uh, just in case anyone heard a, a lot of clicking during that, it was because Seth was fiddling around with his glasses. Was I? 
Yeah. So not my pen. Was I clicking my pen like that? No, no. You were you were doing that with your with your glasses, and they were clicking against each other. Doing this? No, no, no. As in like fiddling with the. Doing that. Yeah, but the, yes. Wow! Wow! This that's is that's amazing. I, I didn't even not, realize I was not, doing that. But it was like you're moving the 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 things between each other. Yeah, oh, like yes, that. I was doing that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, everyone. Um. Um. Sorry. Sorry about that. Whilst we figured out exactly what Seth was doing, <laughs> purely through visuals, it just going. You were doing that. No, you weren't doing that. You were doing that. No, not that. That. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that went well. I mean, to be honest, if you've stuck it out this far, you deserve a bloody medal. Thank you very much. It's impressive, isn't it? My um, it's impressive I managed to stay engaged this whole time because we have talked about some heavy fucking stuff. We really, we've really gone into it today. We've gone into AI. We've gone into um with your one sort of the history of um coming into power and yeah. sort of revolution, and we've talked about this really dark book this dark you know, triad we, we need to talk about kevin it really strikes me as being like how do you how do you end up in that place like we were talking about nature versus nurture earlier mm. yeah that's what do you it's end really up in, do you end up in that place because that's who you are or or does that like is that was that preventable i don't think it was i think it goes i think possibly the book argues for um, nature over nurture because I mean the mum and the dad are, are fine they're just your bog standard regular parents um, they're not doing anything crazy but uh, it's, it's just there's just a massive disconnect between this child and pretty much everyone else um, and I don't think it could have been prevented Do you, so so even if you notice that there is that disconnect, do you not think that there, there were any steps that could have been taken to, to mend it oh, actually, over the course of the book? Actually, there is a plot point in the book where um, the mother flips out and breaks Kevin's arm um, oh my God. when he's a very young child, so maybe four or five. Um, it's sort of a moment of rage, and you feel like possibly... That could have been a turning point because Kevin doesn't cry. He just sort of looks looks at her and sort of makes her feel guilty about it. But he doesn't tell the dad. So it's, he's playing mind games and psychological games with her the whole book. Um, it's a really disturbing film to watch. I didn't enjoy watching it. Okay. Um, except for the performances and the, the plot. But it it's not fun at yeah. all. It's really not. Okay. I might go. I might go away and watch that, because um, I've been meaning to watch it for a really long time. You've yeah. It. This has been a very interesting chat. Yes, it's been a very good one. I think. Um, yeah. This this has been that. a this, this has been a philosophical one. It has. We've kept the ball rolling throughout. I, sorry, oh, we're just sucking ourselves off now. But no, this was good. <laughs> I, re- I yeah we are. I I reckon the title for the episode should just be. Quite a philo- philo- quite a philosophical one, lads. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> yeah. Brace yourself. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, in the end, how many points did we get each? We both got two points each, didn't we? Yeah, we both got two points. Lovely. Ah, what a brilliant way to end it on a yeah. draw. Um, 
Okay. I would. Well. I do have one recommendation before we go. Okay. Um, I managed to watch the Disney Plus Hamilton. Mhm. It was brilliant. Yeah, no, it is. It's really good. Yeah. So if you have a friend with it, with a Disney Plus, do watch it. Yeah, I watched it a couple of times, and then I watched a couple of other things on Disney Plus, and then I cancelled it because I realised I wasn't actually going to use it for anything else. Yeah, I don't so, think I was. so last week I sort of sat down, watched Black Panther on like a Saturday morning, and went, yeah. "Cool, I don't think I actually want Disney. I don't want Disney Plus for anything else, so I'm going to cancel my subscription." Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Mm. Lovely. Well, there you go then. So we'll leave it at that then. I think we shall leave it at that. Thank you very much if you listened all the way to the end. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing that. That's um, means impressive. a lot to us. And it's very impressive on your part as well, yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, it's a goodbye from me. Yeah, and have a brilliant week, whoever you are. Um, stay safe. And it's a goodbye from me.